Welcome back to the Revelation On Demand podcast, a guy has interested in what the Bible has to say about our lives today. Join us as we see what revelations we find today. I'm your host, J.D. Myers, and I'm joined today, as usual, by Mr. Hess. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. I mean, all things considered, yeah, every every week presents some sort of challenge that God has presented me, and I was able to persevere through my most recent one. So, praise God for that. Yes, praise God. I know that we're kind of in the, we're entering the final trimester with my wife's pregnancy so we're dealing a lot with the throes of getting ready to have a kid again so oh wow yeah bless you on that yeah so talking a little bit of what's going on in the world today i mean i heard about these shootings i don't know if you've heard about them yet the one in atlanta and the one in boulder Right, yeah, the Boulder and, one, I'm not as knowledgeable about, but I did look into the Atlanta shooting, uh, just for the record. So can, why don't we start with the Boulder shooting, if you can educate me. Yeah, so this guy shot, like, ten people, and he was arrested. And apparently he was a migrant from some Middle Eastern country, but all that really doesn't matter. I really didn't want to talk too much about the specific, like, incidents and my heart goes out to the victims and their families and i i pray that those victims of all these shootings are are, you know know christ and have a chance to come to him even if it is after the fact but um and i hope that their families find peace in christ you know i i really hope that even though this is a terrible tragedy that something good comes of it you know but that i just want to talk more about when these these you know, ground shattering events of evil happen. We really need to hold on to Christ and, and go turn to God. Even, even when, you know, the most horrible acts of evil come around. I don't know if you have anything you wanted to add on that. No, I mean, that's, yeah, that's incredibly important to have Christ in your life in order to console, in order to process things of traumatic events, uh, as, as, I've learned over the years, and I'm sure you have too, in in our experiences, that trying to tackle it all by yourself or creating animosity uh, against one another to try to cope with it, whether it be through anger, so on and so forth, is not always the it's not the healthiest way to go. But it's spiritually speaking, and also as well as emotional, um, you really do need God to walk you through that. Yeah, but in better news, they've been studying the Shroud of Turin again. So for those of you who don't know, this is a, a cloth that is said to be the burial shroud that was laid on Jesus and left in the tomb after he, ris- he was risen. So I figured since it's Easter, uh, this would be our kind of touch on Easter. They found that there's 24 specific points that are hard to recreate and it's almost impossible to recreate them all together. But scientists have recently discovered or theorized a way that it could have happened and it would have taken a radiation blast so powerful. We're talking about like the kind of radiation levels you get out of a exposed core of a reactor that emanated from the body. So, I don't know. To me, it's one of those things where it's like, well, yeah, that was when Christ was, you know, transfigured and and raised from the dead. Of course, there's going to be some sort of, you know, radiation or something that happened. And maybe that's why God wanted him in that 
that solid tomb with the door closed so that whatever happens when this, when he is resurrected, it doesn't, you know, like kill someone else. So <laughs> in latent terms or yeah, yeah. I mean, or if he is that maybe that leftover residual radiation could be just his, uh, for lack of a better way of saying it, his radiance and you know, his holy presence. And that is the mark that it had left. Yeah. It's just interesting that we found one way that would have been impossible. It's impossible for us to recreate yet. They don't know how to, make a body give off that much radiation to make all 24 markers at once. So yeah, that's it's just uh, astonishing. But, yeah, no. And, and just as far as artifacts go, they, we shouldn't hinge our faith on artifacts, but it's, it's great to have, you know, some solid science behind how these artifacts are. And that can be just another, you know, arrow in your quiver whenever you're dealing with people who don't believe or, you know, just helping steadfast your belief. Our trust in the Lord should come from multiple sources. We shouldn't ever just hinge our faith on one thing. So I, I think this is just one of those points where Christ is revealing himself to everyone through science and stuff like that. So very interesting. Yeah, you, you make a very good point about um, being tied down to idealism or, you know, basically what I'm trying to say here is like, you know, when you have a physical object, how does that, when you have a physical object of proof and you're not, it, it's got to be somewhat resonating with you, right? So a lot of people want to prove the existence of God. So why not have proof of it for the believers. Right. Right. So moving on the last bit of housekeeping today, uh, I'm actually going to be getting interviewed uh, next week for this podcast called the Christian paranormal. Uh, So we'll be talking about my experience in paganism and his experience in paganism. So if that interests you or you're just interested in a Christian view of the paranormal, I would really highly suggest you check out that podcast. I've listened to several episodes now. He actually had an interview with Dr. Heiser, which is one of the leading uh, theologians that I get most of my spiritual like view of the spiritual realm from. So. Uh, it's pretty cool that we're finally starting to get some clout and uh, maybe we can find a way to have uh, that guy on uh, his name's Seth, the owner of Christian podcast or paranormal. So maybe we can have him on here someday. That'd be interesting. All right. So what happened last episode? We went over a boatload of millennialism's theories pertaining to the 1000 year reign of the earth. Whereas, um, whereas either the Lord resides his presence over the world, over the world, over earth, however you want to say. (laughs) And, um, yeah. And the return of Satan for a final battle after the thousand years during the thousand years, so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah. So we we seen last time just that epic battle of Christ against the evil hordes nations that were left on the earth. So 
Yeah, uh, one thing that was I, pretty cool. Yeah. That was very cool. We got into it's got some graphic detail. Um, yeah, but uh, probably not as much as this next thing we're gonna bring up. <laughs> but oh, this this next section is all about uh, the new heaven and new earth. So, and I there's some mind blowing facts that I just I picked up this time that I am excited to share with you guys, just because it blew my mind when I learned about it. So <laughs> and, one thing oh. left on last episode, uh, I said, Mr. Mike Winger is, I think I seen him. I said he was a post-millennialist. He's not, he's a pre-millennialist and I've got to be, I've got to admit uh, the whole millennialist thing confuses me to no end. So if I ever call someone by the wrong millennialist, Please don't take, get offensive. Get offended by that. I I get so confused when it comes to the pre and post millennials. I mean, the a millennials is easy because they're like way different. But trying to remember which one is before and which one's after just it confuses the heck out of me. Right. So, so. we're picking up after well the final judgment, and that was um, basically. When Christ is to return to have that battle with Satan and the nations, the first battle with Satan, we're going to dive into the second battle of Satan uh, by the end of Revelations. Uh, but basically, there's a, uh, yeah, all the non believers were thrown into a lake of fire. And uh, mm-hmm. there was this massive feast of all the tyrants of basically all these tyrants had been defeated in battle. Whoever had yeah. taken up arms with Satan and they were actually, their bodies were feasted on by thousands of birds. And, yeah. uh, and then they were, their bodies were sent into the lake of fire, which is, yeah. um, is like a, an existential entrance way into, into hell. So yeah. interesting stuff, but why don't yeah. we go ahead and pick up from there into chapter 21. Yes, sir. This first section is called A New Heaven on Earth. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who has seated on the throne said, I am making everyone new. I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water, cost from the spring, cost, (laughs) I think it's 
cast from the spring of the water of life. It's without cost. Without cost. Oh, without cost. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Let me just reread that real quick. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Yeah. So here we, we start off with the, the final recreation and God bringing back to order the very plan he had set up when he first created Eden. So uh, right there in the like first verse, it says there's no longer any sea. So uh, anyone who's a big ocean person, I'm not personally, I, I can't stand the ocean. When, when the Bible says there's not going to be any sea, it's like, woo, you know, um, oh, man. But, <laughs> but no, for those of you who, who love the oceans and the seas, uh, please, you know, it, there's going to probably be large bodies of water still on earth. It's what it's talking about. Seas. We've, we've gone over this before. But seas are this symbol of chaos and the unknown. So when it says there is no more seas, that's what it's talking about. It's talking about there's not going to be chaos and unknown in the world oh. any longer. And it's not, it's not like we're going to know everything. Uh, it's just we're going to have knowledge at our disposal. So if we want to know something, we can go find it out. It won't be like how scientists today are like, well, how do the all the forces, you know, harmonize and work together because we're still working on the, the, what do they call it? Like the universal theory that combines the four major forces that we know of. Like there won't be any of that mystery. It'll be, Oh, I wonder what holds those, the, those four forces together. And then we will go and find the answer, like just right then and there. So when it be, be at peace. There's going to be oceans. It's just, there's not going to be any more chaos or uh, discord. And then uh, the church is made ready for God to enter into new Jerusalem. So here we see uh, the first scene of the spiritual realm and the physical realm coming together in what was made the same at Eden. So we see this, this place beginning where heaven and earth are starting to merge together. Uh, death is no more and sorrow is removed. So we see the, the characters, the spirits of death and sorrow are, we already know that they were cast into the lake of fire with Satan and the beasts and everything. So now we see that on this new creation, there will be no death and there's no sorrow. So, and then there's this part where it says it is done. And in the Greek, term it's a term for completion so this is also that general idea we have with the number seven where it's this everything is done everything's completed everything's being brought together and then the last statement from god in this section to everyone who will live before the end of the world follow me in my ways or be consigned to the lake of fire so again we have this is where god's you know talking directly to john and saying hey uh you're going to write this all down, but write this like specifically for the people who will be reading this. This is what you're going to miss out on 
like what he's about to explain, you're going to miss out on this if you don't start following Christ. So anything you wanted to add on that or any questions you got? I mean, not having an ocean, maybe that'll <laughs> settle well with me eventually. I mean, I'm pretty sure that they, you know, there's large bodies of waters with waves, so maybe that'll work out. <laughs> I'm yeah. pretty sure it will. And if not, yeah, th- I can always find one in heaven because that's an infinite realm. Or, yeah. you know, it's <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I think there's going to be like physical bodies of water and, you know, fish in the sea, but I don't. What What it's trying to say is that there will not be unknown in chaos. Right. And that's actually just not a metaphor. At first I thought it was a metaphor, like you were suggesting yeah. earlier. Yeah. Uh, and also I don't want to be uh, consigned to the lake of fire. And if it's as simple as following Christ and creating a stable relationship with him, then I am all game for that. Right. Yeah, yes, it's, sir. it's, it's pretty amazing. I've been studying a lot lately about salvation and just what it means to have that salvation and trying to live out in a way that you know you're saved or that you know no matter what you do God's plan is going to be victorious in the end. So I've been I've been wrestling with that a lot lately and especially with this study. You care to read the next section of scripture there starting in verse 9? I certainly do. This next section is called the New Jerusalem, the Bride of the Lamb. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high, and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of the out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that, of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates and with twelve angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. The wall of the city had twelve foundations and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The angel who had talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates, and its walls. The city was laid out like a square, as long as it was wide. He measured the city with a rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length, and as wide and as high as it is long. The angel measured the wall using human measurement, and it was 144 cubits thick. The wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth ruby, the seventh crystallite, chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth turquoise, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. 
The 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each gate made a single pearl, made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of gold, as pure as transparent glass. So here we see the final creation, the the New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. And uh, so John's brought back into the spirit once again. So there's been several places here where John has come out and talked to his audience directly. So now we are going back for the final vision. So from here till the end of the, pretty much the end of the book is all a vision of what exactly this new city looks like. So, um, yeah, we see New Jerusalem's descending out of heaven as this perfect square uh, city, and it has high walls, and each tribe has a gate. So we see it's hearkening back to the twelve tribes of Judah, who are who were God's people, who He chose to bless the world through. So we see here that they are given the gates of the city, so they are seen as the you know, the entrance to the city of Jerusalem, because through them, he has reached everyone else, even, even us today, you know? So, and then the order of the gates is actually a reference back to Ezekiel, uh, specifically 42, where it's going in order from, I think it was East, yeah, East around the compass. And it's the same order that we see several times throughout Ezekiel. And I think even in Exodus where it's always the same progression around the compass rows. So interesting. I've never heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it's just echoing what happened previously in the Bible. I don't think, I think it's John's way of making sure that, he's tying everything back. Cause as we've seen throughout revelation, he's constantly pulling references from the rest of the Bible to make points, to make uh, examples of how this is all the fulfillment of scripture. Cause what he's seeing is the very end time. This is the final plan. This is the, the end goal. So he's constantly pulling things out of earlier points in scripture, which hopefully we'll get to chase some of those down throughout this podcast. So, and then we see the 12 apostles get foundations and, and we see, and this brings up a, a very good question is Jude. Is he one of the apostles in this still? And, um, I'm kind of with the side where uh, he was replaced by Matthias. So I think instead of Jude being one of the foundations or anytime they're mentioning the 12 as some foundation or something, I think, I think there was definitely some redemption done through Jude. I think the people he saved, the people he baptized, the people he healed. I mean, like that stuff was legit, but he turned from Christ. So I don't think in the final recreation, he's going to be getting any, any credit, you know, he's not going to be one of the foundations. He's not going to be one of the 12 apostle in heaven, even if he is in heaven. I don't know. Uh, honestly, the way they, they describe Jude's suicide. I'm not sure that he's in heaven. He could be, uh, if he repented before he killed himself, there very well could have been, he could very well be in heaven. It's just, he's not going to be one of the 12 apostles in heaven. 
So, um, that's interesting. Yeah. So somewhere I got a translation that said 12,000 leagues instead of 12,000 stadia. So I did my math wrong, which is why I was trying to do while you were reading. Uh, because when I first did my math, I ended up with 1500 miles, which would be, oh, New York's square mileage is like almost 5,000 miles. If the city was 1500 miles on a border, it would be like 2.25 million square miles. So I'm not sure if that's right. <laughs> trying to figure it out if it's like if it's a legit city or if it's something that is so immense that it takes up well i mean that could probably let me think about that i don't oh, no. know if that can fit in the continental u.s oh yeah it does and, and in fact my number isn't all that off uh as stadia uh, it changes it from 1500 miles to 1380 miles so 120 miles difference, but still just that massive size, like just to think of it, uh, 1500 miles or 1380 is roughly the, the distance from Denver to parts of the Mexico border. That would be one side of the city. So like I said, New York is probably the largest area city in the world. I looked this up. Uh, this thing would be 200 times bigger. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, it's no, a it's city. We're talking yeah. about a city that with that, um, with that much, <laughs> that much land. Yeah. And, and it's also, I measure the city 12,000 length wide and high as it is long. So it's not only 130 or 1300 miles or 1400, basically 1400 miles long and wide it's also 1400 miles tall uh which kind of confuses me when we get to the wall bit but that would be well into orbit so this is a massive massive city and honestly uh you would need a massive city if you plan to save as many people have been saved already. I mean, I think I read somewhere that you can, if we were to make a super city and move everyone into it and didn't have any of the logistical issues that would come with that. uh, I think people said we only need a city that's like maybe 10,000 square miles. And that's for all the people who are living today on earth. That's, you know, the 7 billion, almost 8 billion people who live today on earth. Uh, So, Obviously, God plans to save a lot of people, or we're going to have a lot of space in that city. So, either or. Interesting things to kind of mull over in your mind. So, I'm glad that I wasn't wasn't too far off with my math. Um, I wanted to make you my neighbor, though. (laughs) I wanted to... (laughs) Yeah, something about a neighbor. Can I be your neighbor in New Jerusalem? Yeah, sure. 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 Yes. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I, I, not to get too far off on a tangent, but I, I constantly think about what I might be doing in heaven because we are promised to have jobs much like uh, Adam and Eve did before the fall. So it'd be interesting to see what we're doing. And just could you imagine trying to explore a city that big? It'd take you forever. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. 
So well, when you got when you got all the time in the world, because right. there is no there is no um, passing away and there is no um, sorrow. <laughs> I mm-hmm. mean, when when you got an entire infinite lifetime, why yeah. not? Yeah, yeah. So the then it's talking about the walls. So this would be the the outer walls of the the city, and right. they're two hundred and sixteen feet tall and perhaps thick. There's a little bit of a question on to if it's one or the other, or if it's both. Uh, So for those who not quite sure what 216 feet is, uh, if it is tall, that'd be like about a 15 to 16 story building. So pretty, pretty high. And if you're thinking wide, think about two thirds across a football field. So not a full football field thick, but you know, about, two thirds across. So I'd say from the, from a goal line to about uh, 45 or 35 on the other side. Oh, okay, that's about, right. that's about, uh, I was yeah. doing math and yards. I'm like, there's a 70 yard line. There he yes, is right. going down the 70, <laughs> the 80, the 90, the 90. touchdown. 100. <laughs> we, we do the sports ball on this, this, <laughs> we do the sports ball. <laughs> Oh. oh my gosh. And then another interesting note is that uh, when it's talking about the foundations being laid in these these precious uh, stones, these are the same stones found on the ephod of the tabernacle. So we see the same precious materials that God was. So this is God's kind of foreshadowing when he was working with Jerusalem, where he ha- he made this ephod, this breastplate with the 12 stones on it, because these 12 stones are going to be the foundations of the new creation. So uh, I think that's a little bit of back and forth there where we see even all the way back to Exodus, it's foreshadowing what's to come. And then in Revelation, we see it tying back to Exodus. This is the one thing that I love the most about the Bible is that there are so many hyperlinks that you can't sit down and read a piece of scripture, even if it's just a few lines without finding something tying back somewhere else. This is why it's so important that you read the Bible regularly. This is why we need to work through it. I personally work through it once a year in a different translation every year. Uh, so you start to see these connections. You start to hear echoes of other stories in the stories you're reading. You start drawing these connections. I mean, you can always, you know, brute force it and go online and search the actual connections. Uh, what I like to do is whenever I'm reading and I notice a connection, I like to go look it up and see why that connection is there and what that connection can mean. So I just, it's, this I think when we first started this podcast, I was like the only thing I remember from Revelation was the building or the city and the twelve foundations, and really it was the twelve foundations that stood out to me. And just thinking, I was thinking at the time, how can I recreate this in a visual way? And just thinking about the massive size of this, that would be almost nearly impossible to yeah. imagine it. Yes, yeah. and that yeah. is why. Um, I used to actually be educated on that because I, I went to a few Christian schools growing up and people would ask, or this my, uh, the fellow students would ask like, well, how, how big is God or how do we perceive God? And they said, literally by the human eye, you cannot perceive 
the physical being of God it, it, or the you know spiritual being of God because it is that of not maybe not necessarily like a giant uh but it is that unimaginable it's the, his appearance you cannot fathom with the human mind and i yeah. some immense structures and it's funny because in a lot of the holy events that take place even uh even in our daily lives it's hard to describe for anyone that's ever witnessed them uh you're going on that paranormal con uh podcast so i'm sure you're going to be diving into some of like um you know angel witnessings so on and so forth mostly demons but yeah oh (laughs) yeah well either one (laughs) yeah um why don't we go ahead oh my gosh this has one of my favorite (laughs) verses in it so far i love this chapter so far because of um a line that was spoke earlier which one was that where is it Oh, anyway, <laughs> uh, why don't I go, go ahead and get this started instead of yeah. uh, Verse creating 22. a tangent? Right. Verse 22. I do not see a temple in this city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will be br- will bring their splendor into it on no day will its gates ever be shut for there will be no right there there will be no night there excuse me the glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it nothing impure will ever enter it nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful but only those whose names are written in the lamb's of life. Amen. So <clears throat> you were talking about a little bit trying to imagine God and lately I I don't try to imagine the whole God anymore. When I see God, when I, you know, try to think about God, I try to see Jesus because that's my reference. He was human, he was God. That is the the way he tried to know, relate to me. So whenever I think of God, I just start imagining what Jesus looked like and what he did. So here we see that he's specifically saying there's no temple in the city because of the Lord God Almighty. So uh, today we don't really have that issue, but back when he was teaching people, there was still the issue of temples everywhere. But uh, today we are the temple, so God resides with us all the time, so we don't need a place specifically to go and vi- and meet uh, God there. Uh, he can be with us at all times. Uh, the The important thing about churches today is to convene with the body of Christ, to uh, go out and do things with the body of Christ. It's more for meeting with other Christians, to learn with other Christians, to create fellowship with other Christians. And then from there, we're supposed to go out and bring God's message to the rest of the world. So here we see a completely difference in this, where the world is coming to the great city. Uh, And Jesus is the ever present light. So there's no need for lamps or lights or even the sun and moon, as I think it said in that one. Or it might say in the in the last one, uh, 
So there, there seems to be this, this, a lot of people think that that is that there's just the city, but right here it says glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Like there's the gates are open. There's still things going in and out of the city. Like other nations exist. So there's something going on beyond this final recreation. It's just, there's not going to be war. There's not going to be famine. There's not going to be strife. So there's, there's obviously other things beyond the city still. So, and like I said, I mean, it'd take you forever to, to visit the entire city. Uh, it'd also take you forever to seek out all of God's creation beyond even the boundaries of this earth. So definitely amazing things to think about. Anything else you wanted to add or questions you had, buddy? I mean, that, with that last point, I think we've covered that all along the way. <laughs> yeah. Where, you know, we can look forward to so much with this. It's going yeah. to be so revealing. It's beyond compare to anything we can physically perceive and that we can enjoy. Um, it's a piece unknown to mankind. And that yeah. is just, uh, that's astonishing. It's, you know, to think about because so often you find people that revolt, uh, the idea of Christianity is something that is, um, a, you know, authoritarian presence. And it's like, not necessarily all the time, you know, you, when you really think about it, the, the, when you cross that bridge of peace, true peace, we want to like alleviate pain. It, it's just, you know, that's something I always think about. Like, I'm, I'm trying to help you when you talk about like talking to non-believers, uh, or even, bouncing ideas off with other believers is it's all for the sake of care, help and good nature in the best possible way. So when I see this, I see good nature as I'm trying to say <laughs> in, in the most glorious thing that you could ever witness. Yeah. Yeah. So, the takeaway for today is we as Christians shouldn't be anxious about the future. The ultimate outcome is set. We win. We need to go out into the world knowing God has a plan, and we should act like we know that. Anything else to add? Um, well, uh, what I'd like to say as usual is uh, our audience has been absolutely great, and um we're so appreciative of any one of you that listens to us wherever we're at <laughs> um, or wherever you're at, I should say, because, yeah. um, you know, no matter what struggles you're going in through throughout the day uh, or where you're at spiritually, emotionally, just know that there is a better way of coping with it. And that is absolutely God and prayer. Because mm -hmm. it is the number one thing that you will help you process things. Everyone suggests that you go ahead and follow through with these things uh, that are just not going to be healthy for you at the end of the day. They're not going to be setting with you, morally speaking. So try mm -hmm. to find Jesus. He always knows where you're at. You can find mm -hmm. him at any time and pray about it because there's a multitude of things you could do to really resolve a lot of things in your life. And he gives you so much. We were talking about this earlier. He gives you so much to look forward to. And that is the number one thing that keeps me going with it. 
Yeah, yeah. And since it is Easter weekend, I want to wish everyone a happy Easter. He is risen. He is God. And he loves every one of us. So thank you for listening to Revelation On Demand podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you catch podcasts from. Please, if you like what we're doing, share this with a friend, family member, or someone from your church. Uh, One more thing. We're also on YouTube now, so go check that out if you like that. Uh, This is a completely private venture and receive no funding from any sources. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please feel free to contact me at revelationondemand at gmail.com. God bless and see you next time. 